Welcome to the Philia Podcasts. We are the daughters of those women who came before us. It is our absolute honour to have met so many incredible women fighting for the liberation of us all. Our role at Philia is to amplify the voices of those women via the Philia Conference and these podcasts. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team. Hi there, and um, welcome to Philia Podcasts. Um, today I'm delighted to be interviewing Consuelo Rivera Fuentes, and we're actually interviewing in person, which is a massive rarity um, at the Philia Conference in Bradford. So firstly, thank you so much for coming all the way um, to talk to us today and, and to speak at the conference as well. Um, so um, Consuelo is a writer, um, an academic and a publisher, and she's also um, been a campaigner for, uh, against violence against lesbians and spoken widely about her own experiences um, of, of this. Is that a fair description or is there anything I've missed out there? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I am a publisher, but uh, at the moment not academic except for memoirs. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the rest is novels, fiction, mm -hmm. um, but also uh, books for children. Mm and so on. Um, and as for the writing, mm -hmm. I've been a poet, um, I think, almost all my life. And the, the writing has helped me um, to begin denouncing publicly mm -hmm. what um, I suffered uh, during the 80s when uh, the dictatorship in Chile was still Mm. there. Mm. So um, that's why uh, the writing is so important for me, uh, especially poetry, because sometimes in poetry you can disguise things a little bit because they hurt too much, but then uh, you can also um, tell the public what's going on. Mm. So I want to start by asking you a bit more about Chile. Um, and for people who don't know, how are things over there for lesbian human rights at the moment and, and how have they been in the past? Well, um, in the 80s as well, uh, there was one woman who made the news because uh, the soldiers, one of the, the soldiers in the street, kicked a lesbian to death. Oh my gosh. Uh, saying that... Uh, you know, you fucking lesbian and so on and so forth. So it was the first public um, knowledge uh, in the media because it could not be hidden um, about what was going on in Chile because lesbians had to kind of hide, not only because of the military regime, but also because the... Um, their families, patriarchal families and so on, machista country, mm. um, couldn't know that mm. they were lesbians. So, uh, and then there was a group which was made out of two women uh, called Ayukelen, which is like to be happy in, in an indigenous um, language mm. uh, called Mapuche. And uh, they started a lesbian um, kind of letter writing. So lesbians would write to them um, saying uh, that finally they could 
see someone listening to them, in this case, reading what they were doing. And slowly they began um, growing. So the first lesbian kind of group was Ayukelen, and then they started growing. And um, after my uh, experience of torture in the 80s, I also started a group uh, in the second city, the largest city in the country called Concepcion. And I founded um, a group of lesbians, um, which we call LEA, which is Lesbians in Action. Yeah. And um, we decided, well, we, I started it on my own. And I, um, this was because at the time I was doing a, a diploma in women's studies at the local university. And I, um, one of the subjects was the um, violence, intrafamiliar violence. And everybody wrote about the heterosexual mm. kind of violence. And I decided that I wanted to write about lesbians and what was happening between lesbians. Um, because at the time, I had a partner who had been subjected to violence by her own partner. So you're talking about like interfamilial violence between a lesbian couple. That's right. Okay. So I, I decided to write about that uh, in my research for that course, uh, for that particular subject. We had other subjects. And um, for that, I needed more people. So I just made up um, a little leaflet mm -hmm. and I went to the post office, which at the time, it worked, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> nowadays, you know, post office is not. Yeah. At least in Chile, it's everything is internet now. Mm. Um, and uh, I started giving this leaflet to women, and the leaflet said, "You are not alone. Um, uh, speak out. Let's meet on such and such a day." Mm. And so I made it as if it was a big group, but actually, it was only me. And then when they started arriving, then I explained what I wanted to do. And we started the group as a support group. Um, they were telling me about their experience uh, of violence between them. Mm. And of course, then we, we became friends and we formed this group uh, legally, in inverted commas, mm. legal. Um, and, uh, we had the meetings in my house because there was not a place where you could you could have a meeting that of that kind at the time. Um, so that's how I started with this, um, which I mean I wrote about in a, in a book. Uh, I can't remember the the name of the book. It's a co-edited book, yeah. and. Um, the, well, not co-edited by me, but someone else. Um, and uh, where I talk about Leah. Mm -hmm. um, and there are um, stories or narrations by women, uh, lesbian women around the world. And one of them was Chile mm -hmm. with my, uh, my writing. 
can't, I'm trying to remember, but if I do, then I'll tell you. The name of the book, we can, we can put it out in, a, in, yeah. a, in, in the description of the podcast later. I, just, I was just wondering, what did you find when you were looking at the kind of experiences um, that lesbians had of, of violence between them or within relationships? Did they differ from the violence that's reported in heterosexual relationships or in kind of, I guess, in inverted commas, more traditional family settings? No. They were the same? They were the same. Um, and they all um, cried. That mm. was the only difference. Mm. <laughs> that they all cried when they were telling if they were the abuser or the abused. Um, and um, But they all cried when they were telling their stories. And the conclusion I came to is that uh, because they, they had been um, brought up in a heterosexual, abusive family mm. as well. They were just copying the the model mm. that they had, the patriarchal model. So they thought that that was the way in which you were supposed to relate to each other. Mm. Um, so in the group, I was la feminista because they 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 didn't feel feminist at all, um, and so I had. You know, quite a big. Um, there was a big task to start, kind of, um, for them to get to know what feminism was about and so on. But I, until now, I'm la feminista mm. in in, the, wow. in that group. Wow. So, um, but uh, eventually, when I left the country to come and live here. Um, Someone else was kind of in charge. They they said, okay, let's do an election kind of thing. And they chose someone who was the leader. Um, but about two years after that, the, the group kind of started to um, dissolve. Yeah. And they met only to go to discos and stuff like that, where they were expelled because they were violent again. No way. Yes, in the disco. So they needed someone to to talk to and so on. Mm. So that that was the, and then I went back and we all met again. But um you know, if you're not present there, it's very difficult unless there is someone else who can do it. Yeah, who can take on your yeah. your mantle. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think happened? Why did they why did they dissolve? Why did they stop? talking about the actual violence side of things? I think because they were um, a group, mainly, but not all of them, uh, were um, lesbians who were from um, very humble um, class. I don't know how to mm. describe that. Um, so they didn't have uh, studies or anything. They had finished, some of them had finished secondary school, most of them hadn't mm -hmm. done that. Um, but amongst them, there were a group of um, about three or four uh, women who were teachers. Mm. But they were, within the group, there was a difference in that sense because those women didn't want to interfere too much or didn't want to mingle too much with the others. So it was a very difficult job to try and, and do it. Um, but we did. Um, and 
we were uh, in a way a, a kind of model for another group of young women, mm -hmm. feminists, who uh, created another group mm -hmm. um, about 10 years after uh, Lea finished. Okay. So uh, there is hope there. You have a positive legacy. Yes. Yeah. yes. So you mentioned really briefly the, the dictatorship that Chile was under in the in the eighties. What what was it about that that made it so virulently anti lesbian? Why were lesbians kind of frightened and, and forced underground in that political context? Yeah. Well, this was uh, the dictatorship was um, in nineteen seventy three. It mm -hmm. started, and the eighties was like the. Um, pinnacle, you say, yeah. of of the uh, social movements against it. Uh, people started uh, going out and protest, daring, which before they couldn't. Um, and uh, the uh, you have to think as a military person, square, like that. Yeah, uh, and. Um, Square-minded, I, I say it, and the it it's all a very machista or chauvinist um, patriarchal organization. All of the armed forces, um, including um, the uh, police force, mm. which at the time of the coup they were not considered part of the armed forces, but with the coup they were. So they, um, their uh, way of relating to, to people and between each other is through power. Power structures and everything is top down. Um, so having a woman who can think independently and who doesn't want men is a threat mm. to that power. And I think that's why there was this um, reaction from them. Uh, for the few women who at the time dared to defy the things and come out publicly. But we weren't very many. Mm. I was a public figure because I, I came out with everything. I had my son who at the time said, Mum, I don't care, you're my mum, and that's it. Mm. Um, because his father had uh, told him who I was. Um, and I had married because um, I, I was just following what everybody did. Um, I got pregnant and I had him. But he was 10 when his father said, your mother is a lesbian and she blah, 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 blah. And he said, you, dad, are a maricon, yeah. which is a word for gay um, men. Okay, so let's, so you left Chile and you came to the UK um, and you were writing poetry and you were writing also a bit about um, kind of bodily experiences of torture mm -hmm. from a kind of, I don't know how to describe this, but kind of like a pseudo-scientific academic perspective. Can you can you tell us a bit more about both of those things? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it was difficult 
to write, um, and one of the first papers that I wrote for a women's studies in Lancaster, which is where I did my my MA and my PhD, was in a in a an anthology, you call it, um, where I talk about the the women's movements in Latin America, but in the what we call the South Cone, and. Um, there is when I started learning how to how to express myself in that way, in an academic kind of way, and not hiding mm. behind metaphors and things like that. Um, and because of the pain that I experienced in the, which was the paper I I gave yesterday, um, it was uh, it was like a something which liberated me mm. um, and uh, that's why I continued writing uh, as academic and I've written lots of um, papers uh, or articles for the for the autobiography group in uh, this sociological British sociological association mm -hmm. and so on so um, I've written many articles mm -hmm. uh, that have appeared in different uh, places um, and the, in the Women's Studies Centre mm. for uh, in Lancaster as well, um, and then all my teaching uh, has been done uh, that way. I cannot write an academic paper without flouting the rules. Yeah, <laughs> I always do what I want. Yeah, I do a little bit. You know, I stick to some of the publishing rules, mm. but um, I don't do it in someone else's terms. I do it in my own terms. And luckily, I've been lucky because they have accepted it, including in the um, Women's Studies Forum, uh, which is where I've got that article with my partner. Um, they accepted it although it was completely out of what they wanted. Uh, it's a conversation mm. between my partner and I, and uh, I included other things that my partner, who is a biologist, um, said, but we cannot do that, it's not scientific. Mm. So, well, then let's stop it. Yeah. Um, and, but she was quite kind to say, okay, let's continue. But it's important <laughs> though. And I'm interested in your opinion, I guess, on how women experience torture, because I read a little bit on this and there's a, there's an idea that torture in a way is kind of like your, your own body being used against you, being mm -hmm. turned against you. Yeah. And that fundamentally changes your relationship with that body. But I read that and I thought, well, in a sense, not in a physical sense, but certainly in a kind of, um, a kind of an, an agentic sense. Women are really used to having their body used against them. Yeah. It happens all the time. So I don't. I don't know. I wondered if you had. Yeah, that, that's why I don't write about the like in a testimony because mm. a lot of people write testimonials where they say um, this happened to me and this year this is what they did to me and so on and so forth. That's why I write about what I felt. Mm. Um, so um, when they asked me, so what happened exactly? 
I say, well, I can't tell you mm. because that's not how I am. That's not what I felt. I knew they were doing things to me. I knew they were uh, putting electrodes everywhere um, and that they were raping me and so on. But um, I couldn't um, tell you exactly how many people there were in the room because I had a... Uh, do you say a blind? Yeah, blindfold. Yeah. Blindfold. And um, so I had to rely on my senses, on sense of smell, mm. sense of touch, and so on, um, hearing. But I couldn't see the people who were uh, torturing me. So um, from that's why I kind of went into myself. Yeah. And I even taught myself, I don't know, unconsciously, um, to forget names because that's what they wanted. They wanted mm. names. Um, and I trained myself so much under those psychological circumstances that even to this day, I can be your best friend and sometimes I forget your name. Really? So, um, but the people who know me, they know, so they just say, whoever, Sara. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, that's how I, I felt and that's how I put myself on paper mm. as well. Or when I am performing uh, what I write, um, I cannot write in any other way. Mm. But yeah, thank you for, for taking the time to talk to us. And thank you both and to Philia in general, to Lisa Marie, who invited me to this conference. I really enjoyed it in spite of all my health problems. So um, thank you very much and good luck yeah. for the next conference. Keep fighting the good fight. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs>